Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Pastor Brett. I want to welcome you here today. Welcome everybody watching online today. Thanks so much for stopping in. Uh, make sure you, you give some comments there on online so we know that you're there too. I uh, just want to start today. Uh, we had some uh, someone uh, graffiti our, our back uh, wall there in the parking lot this week, and it kind of reminded me of my own graffiti story. So when I was, uh, when I was a little kid, uh, we, uh, we lived in Prince Albert, went to, went to church there in Prince Albert, and, and uh, I decided one Sunday morning at church that, that I should write on the wall. So I, was, I, I took some crayon and I wrote really big letters on the wall in the hallway, kind of near the kids' area, kind of near the big meeting area, so everyone could see uh, what I did. And I got in big trouble for it, and everybody knew that I did it. I did not get away with doing that. Um, and, and everyone knew that I did it. The reason why everyone knew is because I decided to write as big as I could my name. <laughs> and so I... Uh, I, I probably, you know, didn't have a real future in, in crime, but uh, maybe appear on Canada's Dumbest Criminals, I don't know, but, but you know, I was, I, was, I was kind of thinking back to that time of disobedience, and I was thinking not just that time, but all the times. I started thinking about a lot of times in my life when I, when I disobeyed, I disobeyed my parents, disobeyed God, and and there was a common thread through all of it is every time I disobeyed, I knew what I was doing. I knew what I was doing was wrong, but I still did it. You know, even as an adult. And, and sometimes I think, you know, as adults, we're, we're kind of like, we're kind of like, you know, that, that child that when you, you look at them and you say, don't touch and then they look at you while they touch it. I kind of feel like we're that sometimes. We're like that. You know, and, and we got to ask ourselves the question, why do we do that? Why do we disobey? And a couple of weeks ago, we started answering that question. You thought you were off the hook, but no, this is, we're still talking about obedience. You know, we had breakthrough in worship, Breakthrough and break out and VBS and sermon, obey. But, um, but what is it that causes us to rebel against a good, good father? What is it that causes us to ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit? Why don't we always do what he asks us to do? Why do we rebel against what we know is right and what we know is good for us? How many of you know that God's word is good for us? How many of you know that the voice of the Lord is good for us? Is that true? Joshua 1.8 says that if we obey God's word, we're going to be prosperous and successful in everything that we do. Psalm 119 talks about how the word of God is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. It gives us direction and guidance. It shows us exactly the safest, best way we can go. 
Why don't we do that? (laughs) Matthew 7 talks about how when we obey the word of God, we're building our house, a strong foundation on the rock that we'll be able to withstand anything that comes our way when we obey the word of God. Deuteronomy 28.2 says that the blessings of God will actually overtake you when you obey the word of the Lord. How does that sound? That sounds pretty good. So we know, we know the benefit. We know there's benefit. We know he's a good, good father. We know the benefits of obeying. We even know that there is tragic and deadly consequences to disobedience. Don't we? Just ask Adam and Eve. Just ask King David. Just ask Ananias and Sapphira. And yet we still disobey. Why do we do that? And the answer is because we've got a heart problem. Disobedience is a heart issue. There has to be some kind of rebellion, some kind of selfishness, some kind of fear, some kind of unbelief, some kind of apathy, some kind of pride that's still in here, that's causing us, that's preventing us from obeying God, his word, and his voice. And so a couple of weeks ago, we started to talk about what an obedient heart looks like and and, and ultimately, we said an obedient heart is a, who remembers? It is a, what kind of a heart? It is a, okay, this is, this is hurting my feelings. <laughs> an obedient heart, an obedient heart is a surrendered heart. You're not even going to go, oh, yes, right. <laughs> Now I remember. You're just looking at me like, you said that? I did. An obedient heart is a surrendered heart. A surrendered heart acknowledges Jesus as king. A surrendered heart bows down to his authority, his power, his sovereignty. An obedient heart submits to his timing. An obedient heart is willing to wait for the Lord. Amen? An obedient heart is willing to follow his way of doing things, even the little things. Right? But it invites King Jesus to sit on the throne of our heart. A surrendered heart brings us to a place where we will say to God, God, I'm going to go wherever you want me to go. And I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. I'm going to be whoever you want me to be. I'm going to give whatever you want me to give. I'm going to serve wherever you want me to serve. God, I'm going to love whoever you want me to love. That's a surrendered heart. Amen? And so last week we talked about surrender. Today, it's a heart that trusts God. I really believe that after... A surrendering our heart, one of the greatest reasons we don't obey God and we, we sometimes we don't obey his voice in our lives is because we simply don't trust him. We trust ourselves more. 
Today, I believe God wants to bring us to that place where we can declare like David in Psalm 31 and verse 14. He says, but as for me, I will trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for today. I thank you for your presence here. I I thank you for already speaking to us. I thank you for already ministering to us. I thank you, God, for loving us. And God, now I just ask that you just continue to to let our hearts be open to your word today. Let us hear and respond to that rhema word, that specific word, that specific voice. That it doesn't matter where we're at with you. That you want to speak with us today. You want to engage with us today. You want relationship with us today, even if we don't even know who you are. And so, God, I just pray that we're going we're gonna to be aware of that. I pray that we're going to hear that voice and that we're going to respond to that voice this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 7 in verse 28 says, and now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Can you make that same declaration this morning? Can you say, God, I believe your words are true? Because I really believe that if if we believe that his word is true, that we're going to obey his word. We're going to obey. But we got to trust him. We need to get to that place of trust. Can you say that? Can you declare that scripture? Do you really believe that God's words are true? You know what a great test is of that question? Your giving. Your giving is a great test of that question. Do I really believe God's words are true? Do you really believe that The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Because if you really believe that, that means that that God owns everything and that also means then that you own what? Nothing. Nothing. That means your money is not your money. That means we're just stewards of what's his. We're estate managers of everything that he's given us. Do you really believe this morning in the name Jehovah Jireh? Do you really believe that God is your provider? Do you really believe that God can supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus? Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that when you give, it's going to be given back to you? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Do you really believe that when you give, that God's going to open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing, we're not going to have enough room for it? 
That's a fun sermon to get excited about. But do we really believe those words? Do we really believe that we can't outgive God? Do you really believe that? Do you believe that God's more generous than you are? Do you really believe that 90% of your money blessed by God is going to go much further than 100% of your money under the curse? Do we really believe that? How many of you know we live in a cursed world and God wants to redeem our finances from under the curse, from under that spirit of mammon that is looking for servants? How many of you know you can't serve both God and mammon. So God wants to redeem our money from that. Right? But do you really believe that? That's what God says about our giving. Are those words true for you? That's just one area of giving, right? Just giving is just one area of trusting God. But one of the greatest examples of someone who had absolute trust in the word of God and in the voice of the Lord is Abraham. Abraham had so much trust in God's voice that he was willing to kill his own son. You know, some of us, I think, I don't know, we grow up in church and we, we hear Bible stories and, and sometimes we just kind of put them in, that, in our mind, oh, that's a Bible story. We, we have to understand that, that the Bible is a history book. Right, and, and this is actually a true story of, of, of someone trusting the Lord. And so lots of you know this story, but, but when Abraham was 75 years old, him and his wife Sarah had no children. Abraham was upset about that. He wanted to leave a legacy to someone. He went to God about it, and God promised Abraham. God promised him that he was going to uh, that his descendants were going to outnumber the stars in the sky. He said, but it's going to happen through your own son. He's 75 years old. And his wife Sarah don't have children. But then when he was 100 years old, and Sarah is 90 years old, they have a son, Isaac. So can we all agree that that was a miracle in itself? I don't know too many 190-year-olds able to do those kind of things. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to not say any more jokes. <laughs> so think about that. Abraham waited 25 years for that promise to be realized. And then a number of years later... God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. But remember, Isaac is the key to that promise being fulfilled that, that it's going to be through his own son Isaac that he's going to have all these descendants. And now God is saying to Abraham, I want you to kill him. I want you to sacrifice him to me as a burnt offering. Most historians think, think Isaac is, is maybe in his early 20s at this point. And so this is about 45 years after the promise. So Abraham is 120 and Sarah is 110. 
And, and yeah, it happened before, but, but he's got to be thinking, like someone's got to be thinking, you know, if Isaac dies, then the promise dies too. But Abraham is still willing to do what God tells him to do. Abraham is still willing to obey God. He's about to sacrifice his son when the angel of the Lord stops him. And basically God communicates in that, in that moment, you don't have to sacrifice your son to show your love for me, but I'm gonna sacrifice my son to show my love for you. That's the God that we serve. So Abraham trusted so much that he was willing to kill his son. But Hebrews helps us to understand why he was willing to do that. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 to 19. It says, by faith. So Hebrews 11, this is the faith chapter. And, and God talks about all the heroes of faith. And Abraham made the, the faith chapter. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding, so he concluded that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So why was Abraham able to obey God's voice to the extent of killing his son? It's because Abraham was so confident that God's promise, his word from 45 years ago was still true. So much so that he reasoned that if he kills Isaac, then God's got to raise him up again because God promised Wow. What kind of faith are we talking about here? That would be impossible for me. I can't imagine. He loved his son, but he trusted God even more. Wow. Wow. So what did God do to earn this trust? That's, that's what I want to look at today. What did God do to earn this trust from Abraham? Okay, number one. He gave Abraham a spoken promise. God gave Abraham a spoken promise. Genesis 15, 4 and 5 says, Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky, count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you're going to have. So God gave him word. He gave him solid rock to stand on. Numbers 23 19 says, God is no mere human. He doesn't tell lies or change his mind. God always keeps his promises. Look at Joshua 21, 45. Not one of the good promises which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel failed. All had come to pass. 
God's word never fails. Isaiah 40 says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Hallelujah. We can forever trust in God's word. Please understand this. God's word empowered Abraham to obey. God's word empowered Abraham to obey. Okay, I'm going to get into that more. It gave him an ability to obey. So number one, he gave Abraham a spoken promise. Number two, he entered into a blood covenant with Abraham. So he gives him a spoken promise, but then he confirms that promise by entering into this blood covenant with Abraham. And you can read about this in Genesis chapter 15. We're not gonna take the time to go there, but ultimately what God did to seal this covenant is he walked in blood. God walked through blood and that sealed this blood covenant agreement. God was not going to break his word. Right, his word was enough. His word was enough. His word for us should be enough. Okay, but for Abram's sake, he entered into this blood covenant agreement so that he could know beyond any doubt that he could trust God and trust his voice. This blood covenant is the strongest agreement. It's the most binding contract. It's the most sacred oath that anyone can enter into. Death is the only way out of a blood covenant agreement. How many of you know that God is not going to die anytime soon? Abraham knew that. So this was an eternal covenant. So God gave Abraham a promise. He entered into a blood covenant. And number three, he gave Abraham a new name. He gave him a new name. Originally, his name was Abram. But then, after the promise, he gave Abram, Abraham a new, he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Abraham literally means father of multitudes. That's what it means. How many of you know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word? Every time someone calls him Abraham, he's hearing the word. He's hearing the promise, right? They say Abraham, what does he hear? He hears father of many nations. I had a friend, his name was Randy. We used to be buddies back in the day. And and one day we went for coffee and he just said, you know what, Brett, I want you to start calling me debt free. I don't want you to call me Randy anymore. I want you to call me debt free. And so I did it for like a day. I don't know. <laughs> that was kind of weird. But you know what? It's not. It's not because he wanted, to, he wanted faith to believe that he was going to be debt free. So he wanted people to start calling him debt free. Right? That's what God did for Abraham. Okay? So now what has God done for us to gain our trust? How can we know that his word is true? How can we know that we can trust his voice? How how can we have the kind of faith that Abraham had so that we can obey like Abraham? Okay, what, what did God do for us? Three things. 
I'm going to give you a hint. They're the same three things. Number one, he gave us a spoken promise. He gave us his word. He gave us his word. He gave us um, a solid rock on which we can stand. How many of you know that the word of God is spoken promise after spoken promise after spoken promise? There are thousands of promises in the word of God. Thousands, that's not an exaggeration. There is thousands of promises in the word of God. Okay, and I want, I want us to go through some. There's promises of help and encouragement. Isaiah 41 says, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. There's promises of protection. Isaiah 43, 2, When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they'll not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. This promises of strength and rest in Isaiah 40. He gives us he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. God gives us promise of battle. We sang about it today. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. How many of you know that you have that authority in Jesus Christ? You have the authority over all the power of the enemy. He gives us promises of forgiveness. In him we have redemption. That is our deliverance and salvation through his blood, which paid the penalty for our sin and resulted in the forgiveness and complete pardon of our sin. How many of you have been completely pardoned in Jesus Christ? He gives us promises of his love. Isaiah 54 10 says, though the mountains will be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. There is promise after promise. There's promises for peace. There's promises for healing. There's promises for our faith. There's promises for deliverance. There's promises for freedom. There's promises for our salvation. There's promises for evangelism. There's promises for discipleship. There's promises for our identity in Christ. And here's what I want us to understand. All of those promises all of that scripture, it allows us to walk in obedience because anything God asks us to do is supported and reinforced with his promises and his word. So God calls us to obedience, but then he gives us the ability to obey through the promises of his word. Promises of God's help and protection, and God's might. They encourage us. They empower us. They give an ability to trust and obey when he calls. When he called Moses to free the people from Egypt. When he called Joshua to go take the promised land. When he called Peter to come out of the boat. 
He first gave them spoken word. He gave them promises that would empower them to do those things. When God called Andrew to be pastor at King's Corner Church, when he calls Carol to feed the poor, when he calls the Howards to serve at Bible camp, there are promises and word that encourages and empowers them to do those things, to walk in obedience to their calling. Listen, when he calls you to forgive, when he calls you to love that transgender person at your work, when he calls you to give, even though the fridge just broke, when he calls you to live righteously, whatever God calls us to do, he gives us promise, he gives us his word so we can do it. We can trust his word, we can trust his voice because the call, his call to obedience is empowered through his promises and his word. Amen? Amen. Number two, he entered into a blood covenant with us. Through his son. See, God walked in blood, and that covenant, that promise that he made with Abraham, that's renewed with the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so now we, as believers in Jesus, we can enter in to that blood covenant agreement through the shed blood of Jesus. Look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29 says, you who belong to Christ are Abraham's seed. You who belong to Christ are Abraham's seed, so you will receive what God has promised. We entered into that blood covenant through Jesus. So now we qualify. We qualify for all the promises of God through Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, God has made a great many promises. They are all yes because of what Christ has done. Through Christ, we say amen. We want God to receive glory. All of God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus. Because God walked in blood, because Jesus shed his blood, we can know, we can know that his word is true. We can know that we know his word is true. We can know that we know that we know his word is true. I'm going to do one better. We can even know that we know that we know that we know. Because God walked in blood and because Jesus shed his blood. Hallelujah. We can know God's going to be faithful to his word. We can trust his word. We can trust his voice. When God calls you to do something, we can say, here I am, Lord. I trust you completely because you walked in blood. I trust you completely because, because you gave your son and you let me in on that blood covenant agreement. Look at Hebrews 6 and 18. It says, he has given, to us, he has given us both 
His promise and his oath. His word and his covenant. Two things we can completely count on. For it is impossible for God to tell a lie. Now all those who flee to him to save them can take new courage when they hear such assurances from God. Now they can know without a doubt that he will give them the salvation he's promised them. See, now we can be like Abraham in Romans 4.21. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this he might he, he, and, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises because of his word and because of his oath. Amen? Because of his promises and because of his oath. Because of his word and because of his covenant. We can be fully convinced. We can be fully convinced that God's gonna do whatever he says. We can be fully convinced that he's faithful to his word. We can do whatever he says we should do because now we can trust him, right? We can fulfill every call to obedience of his promise and his oath because we can trust him, hallelujah. And so God gave his spoken promises. He entered into a blood covenant relationship with us. And number three, he gave us a new name. He gave us a new name. You are not called sinner any longer. But in Jesus, you are the righteousness of God. Wow. We got a new name. I was a sinner. Saved by grace. And now... I am the righteousness of God in Jesus. You're no longer described as dead in sin. But now you are alive in Christ. You're no longer a child of darkness. You're the redeemed of the Lord. You're a child of the Most High God. That's who you are in Jesus. Hallelujah. Has God earned our trust? Has God earned your trust today? Can you, can you say like David, but as for me, I'll trust in you, Lord. You're my God. Can we say that now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm let our worship team forward. We like to close our, our service with a worship song. And um, I just want to encourage you during this time, kind of the idea of this last song gives us a chance to respond. Just gives you a chance to respond to, to the word, respond to that voice of the Holy Spirit today. Respond to whatever God is calling you today. And, and just, just have that time with him, have that encounter with him. He wants to engage with you right now. Amen.